now from Hollywood, California, the horror capital of the world, the Boulay Brothers, Creatures of the Night. Welcome back, uglies, to a brand new episode of the Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night. <laughs> As you know, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but we are back with a vengeance and ready with a fresh new episode. Yes, yes, we are. And it feels so good to be back because I feel like we've literally gone through the gauntlet. We've been to hell and back. We're on the other side of like so many momentous, huge things as far as like Halloween the appearances, the ball, and of course, the release of the Blade Brothers Dragula season four. Right. So I feel like we've lived like three lifetimes since our last <laughs> podcast. Truly. <laughs> oh, so truly, I'm exhausted. So just quickly, let's kind of talk about the things that have had us distracted. We obviously lived through Halloween, another epic Halloween, and probably the most memorable Halloween to date. I would say, yeah, we collectively, the two of us, the world, certainly the city and all the places that we've been, we said last year we got completely fucked over. So this year we are going to make up for it in spades, like across the board times a thousand. It was just so high octane. All of the events were really well attended. Our Halloween ball was our 20th annual. It sold out for the first time and selling out something like the globe is not necessarily like the easiest thing. Just three levels of madness, thousands of people, what an event. Honestly, people were so happy about the show everywhere that we traveled to. You know, I think two episodes had been out by that point. And they were raving. Like, people are so excited about this season of the show, and I couldn't be happier about it. Everywhere that we went to and performed, we would talk to the crowd, do a little Q&A and things like that. And people were just, like, living. So thank you, everyone at home who's watching the show. It's honestly the most explosive season we've ever had. I think it's absolutely the Boulay Brothers Dragula transformed. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, people asked us on the road, what's your favorite season of the show? And that's a hard question to say because yeah. I love all of them. But this season, I'm having the most fun I've had in a long time. I'll say that for sure. And it's weird because we said yes to so many things. I think we were forced to hold back because of the pandemic. And the pandemic wasn't necessarily all bad. It was a time to take stock in what you have and remember what you don't have and what that feels like, but also be innovative. Like we created the resurrection format and that was such a great new way to see drag and especially what it meant to be a drag artist during the pandemic. But having held all of that back and coming back out with a full fledged like season, we said yes to a new season. We said yes to a million appearances. We said yes to the Halloween ball to music, to new merch. I mean, it was just really a huge time. Well, I kept warning people while we were recording the podcast during the pandemic when everyone was locked away at home. I was like, we're not just sitting here. (laughs) (laughs) We're working on all this in the background, you know? I mean, it really gave us an advantage to spend a little more time writing everything for the show, working on the music and all these things and even making the Halloween ball bigger and better than ever. So I think everyone at home was feeling the same way that we were in the sense that they were sick of sitting home. They were ready to party. They showed that in abundance. Oh, absolutely. And they're ready to have fun with the new season of the show. And the tone of the show is right, too. It's fun. It's not too serious. It's kind of a little bit old school reality TV. And they're not too worried about their image. And I love that. (laughs) I would say even a little bit old school Dragula, if we could even say that. Because to me, like the spirit, like the fiery essence 
is very much reflective of like season two, like the season two premiere moment when Abora's like, you're not a monster and all that business. You know, it was like we caught some of that fire for season four for sure. Yeah. So I think all of this collectively really shows that this is such a special time for us, for our team, for all of the fans of the Boulay Brothers Dragula. And that's why we thought we would release this special episode of Creatures of the Night where we recap the first six episodes of the season that are now streaming on Shudder. Yeah, and you're not going to get any more deeper behind-the-scenes insight or filming tea than right here with us because, hi, we were there for the whole thing from moment one till moment done. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I hope everyone's ready to get burned on this tea. (laughs) (laughs) It's scalding. But before we get started, we want to invite our co-host and supervising producer of the Belay Brothers Dragula, Ian DeVogler, onto the show. Because he is one of the only people on Earth that knows exactly what really goes on behind the scenes of the show. So, Ian, welcome. What's up, season four? <laughs> oh, oh, wait, sorry, sorry, hold on. I have another one. But yeah, there's another one. Oh, yeah. Are y'all my season four whores? <laughs> that's, the one, that's the one I'm here for. <laughs> oh, my God. I am so excited to be back. I'm so ready to have my tongue ooh, scalded with this tea, mama. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. I'm, I'm here. here. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and then even better. Uh, good night. Good night. Fuck off. <laughs> How much fun has it been to watch the show? I can't even really quantify it. I am going to mirror your sentiment from earlier, even though I wasn't technically here for this part. But when you said that you have had more fun watching this season than you've had in a long time, I have to agree with you. The show is kind of like this mutated monster, and it is just a fucking roller coaster. Like, you know, we watch the show 100,000 times before it gets to the final stages, but even watching it streaming on Shudder, I'm like, damn, that shit is good, mama. It is. (laughs) And before we get started, I kind of want to speak on that and say thank you to the competitors of this season for bringing the real to the reality, right? Because for so long now, I feel like people that come on reality shows are afraid now to get burned because the fan Mm -hmm. response is so crazy. If they act out or act out a character or show real emotions, they tend to get destroyed online. And this cast came to the show ready to shuck all that off. Like Mm -hmm. they were not afraid at all. And I just want to say thank you from our team to them for being real and not being afraid. And honestly, some of them are even getting attacked right now, but I think ultimately Mm -hmm. they're making an unforgettable season. And I think it's all going to come out in the wash and everyone's going to love them. Yeah. I'm going to double down on the thank you because it takes a level of like being brave to do that and trust. Like they had to trust us that, okay, we have your image. We have your art. We have everything that you've been working for, for who knows how many years. And you're going to trust us to shepherd that in and represent you to the world. And I hope we're doing a good job. I feel like the results, like the people that are watching, the response from AMC and Shudder, like everything is like fireworks across the board. So it's just a win for everybody. I love this cast so much. I think they're great. They're super talented. And thank you to all of them. Collectively, when you think about each of them, they bring such a different vision of like kind of the alternative drag Mm -hmm. umbrella, the space that the Dragula really occupies. And for all different reasons, they are incredible. Like, I would be happy to share any stage with any of them. Yeah. You know, fans have been volatile this season. (laughs) You always know when that happens. The show's good, mama. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? That's what, come on. Like, if you didn't give a shit, you wouldn't be talking about it. Right. So, you know, they get so passionate about it, which I love and appreciate it because it means they care. But some of them are definitely taking it too far. And I will say I have since perhaps a little trickling of like drag grace children spreading over into our sandbox. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, 
welcome everybody, but back up, bitch. You know, like yeah. don't don't get crazy calling mm-hmm. people racist things and doing all these kind of. That's just, that's the part that I will never understand. Like why you would ever position yourself or get ready to say something racist, fucked up, or just horrible or attacking someone's family over something that you saw on television. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's gross. It's disgusting. Like. I hope that people know that the Boulay brothers, myself, our whole team, we stand behind our competitors 100%. Like, we love them. We want to defend them. And if you are someone who you feel like you need to say those kind of things to those people, please do not watch. Just, like that don't, is, yeah, just you, don't, don't watch it. Yeah, you're, you're not welcome at this party at yeah. all. Like, we don't stand for it at all. I think it's disgusting. Drac and I have said this before in public places, and I'd like to say it again here. The queer community is already so separated from so much of like just culture at large. There is literally no reason. There is like nothing that should cause us to turn on each other and sort Mm -hmm. of like attack our own. And nobody on the show, we, no one on the show is an asshole. We just wouldn't cast someone like that. Now, that being said, we take them, we put them in a really pressuring situation. I mean, they're brought from their homes and a lot of them are dealing with things in the background that you don't even see on the show. Like some have had family members die or some of them have been evicted or some of them are dealing with addiction and things. And then they come in this environment, they're put in a pressure cooker and yeah, they freak out a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's what reality TV is and it's fun, but we should all be able to watch it with that in mind, with those goggles on, like understanding that it's reality TV. People fight on reality TV and it doesn't mean they're bad people. You're just seeing their reaction to these strong situations you know absolutely yeah Yeah, i don't like to see that we know personally every single person on the cast now and none of them are bad people and none of them deserve that kind of hate online but i don't want to talk about all that serious stuff anymore (laughs) because what i want to talk about is how fun the season is and how fun the competitors were on the season or are being currently i should say come through shots Uh, there's another thing. I don't think people know how much we quote them. It's literally yeah. we'll go through the whole day and just communicate <laughs> through like quotes. just <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Dracula memes. <laughs> totally. Competitor quotes. <laughs> it's true. Like the whole day in the office can go by with us just saying like memes to each other all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If they only knew. I mean, that's one of the hardest parts about the show not being out is we say all this kind of weird shit that it doesn't mean anything else to anyone. We can't really say it publicly or even I have this one reaction photo of Hoso from episode six. That I just, I just love it. Hoso, I love it. And I'll share it with you later. But it's just, it's so funny to me. The second I saw it, I was like, that is a big fucking mood, man. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. So I want to talk about one other thing too that a couple of people have asked about is that sort of the level of danger of the exterminations this year. And I just wanted to talk about it a little bit. Honestly, it was a conscious decision for us to make the exterminations this year a little more fun and a little more punk and a little more like paintball season two yeah, totally. as opposed to like, I'm going to stab you with a needle and throw you out of a plane <laughs> because there's a couple of reasons. One, I don't think this cast needed any sort of extra. <laughs> Definitely not. Right? They, did, they didn't need gasoline on their fire because they they're That's burning exactly hot. Right. Yeah. So that was part of it. But a big part of it was everyone was just coming out of COVID and I just felt like it's time to have a fun season. It's not going to stay like that always. Every season's exterminations are different and next season's going to be very different than this one. But this time we just wanted to have fun with them. The other thing was is that people need to remember that we filmed this during COVID. And while COVID's a little more under control now, when we were filming it, it was kind of like wildfire and we were sort of operating daily with the threat that this could get shut down, mm-hmm. like the whole set could get shut down. And we had a closed set. Everyone was vaccinated. So 
bringing in stunt coordinators and things like that. Every time you bring someone new into the set, it changes everything. You have to do all these special things and all this paperwork and everything. We couldn't get into that, you know, or taking them even to places like you can't be like, I'm going to take them to jump out of a plane where they're going to be around 20 people that mm-hmm. are, you know, you just couldn't do that then. So yeah. I think the exterminations are fun as hell. Yeah. I like some of the fun ones or some of the unexpected ones like the paintball one or the, you know, we're asked so often, what's your favorite extermination? It may not be my favorite one, but I do love the lie detector. You love that it's one. It's such yeah. a goop, like, and bitches face, <laughs> like jaw drop. Like people are like, oh my God, like, we're not going to take your word for it, bitches. Like we're going to hook you up and just get to it. And you never know what's coming. It could be dangerous. It could be fun. It could be like a reality check. And I think that's part of the excitement. There's a pretty scary one coming up, actually. Yeah. Yeah. A, I think maybe one of the worst ones of the season. I think, I mean, based on the way that the competitors reacted to it, I would say it is level 10 horror. Like, yeah. if that is something that kind of pings on your horror receptors, get ready, because I did that one personally, and after I got out of it, I was like, oh, that was different, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> I like the array. I like some of them fun, yeah. some of them wild, some of them, you know, dangerous, some of them just straight up scary. Like, I like the diversity. I do, too, and it's something that I don't know if we can really in part on fans of the show who never experienced the party, but the party itself was not always just a glorification of horror. Like filth and kind of punk rock raw energy was a huge part of it. And sometimes, I mean, we'd be pushing people off stage in trash cans and yep. that was just fucking fun. Yeah. Why? Because it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Or where they had the dodgeball battle in San Francisco. Yeah, like, there food fights. Like we just armed the crowd with like rotten fruit and pies and, you know, just like throwing like... <laughs> Just, just a wild, <laughs> turned up <laughs> fucking moment. Oh my God. So, I mean, at times really stupid in the best way. And yeah. I, I hope that people can get into and enjoy that sort of energy because I think, and you know, in episode two, Hoso and Dali's Nosferatu beach party look, they both say like, we're just going to go high camp. This is really fucking stupid. And when they said that, I was like, God, I love you too for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. I think drag needs more of that. It's part of the joy of seeing like, a whole drag review when someone comes out and does something just <laughs> just dumb. Like, I love them for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we should move on to the episodes because we have a lot to cover. We're going to get through six episodes today. Okay. Ooh, I've got my binging panties on tonight, <laughs> mama. <laughs> All right. So let's get into episode one. This is the big premiere episode and where everyone meets everyone for the first time and really sets the stage for the season. Mm-hmm. I really kind of enjoyed some of the subtle interactions of like everyone kind of going into the room one by one. And you Mm -hmm. got to see something that jumps out right away is like Zava and Astrid recognize each other because they shared some stages and shared some time in New York. And you kind of get that, okay, the drag world is big, but it's also in some ways kind of small. Like you recognize other entertainers from other cities and you know what they're capable of. Mary Mm -hmm. Cherry's here. That's That's cool. cool. (laughs) (laughs) I do think it is cool. And it almost reminds me of an action cartoon or something or where the villains are meeting the heroes and it's kind of everyone's like sizing each other's power level up and you can look at it and you can kind of see everyone's wheels turning like it's like okay who's gonna be the biggest bitch in the room like who who's drags is sizing up and you know you even have people which I really appreciated Betty for this where she's like I'm kind of intimidated by Hoso dot 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 Okay, I'm kind of intimidated by a lot of people. <laughs> I'm lo- like, good for you, bitch. Like, I, be honest yeah, with yourself. Totally. I love that for her, too. It showed, like, you know, a real person behind, like, the facade and the makeup and the hair and, like, the front. Like, yeah, yeah it's an intimidating, or it can be an intimidating situation. What did you all think of the actual haunted house part of it? This was amazing. I mean, this was our <laughs> version of initiating 
the new batch into the Dragula coven. Oh yeah. I feel like that is one of my favorite things we've ever done on the show. One of the things that was fun is that, you know, we could have exterminated someone on the spot right there and we were there in the shadows in the fucking little weird control room. (laughs) (laughs) And I did think for a hot second, I was like, Astrid, you better stand up, mama. Well, let's talk about, I mean, I I was so goofed. I was like, okay, this is a make or break moment. Mm. If Astrid can get up and kind of face this fear and get over it, that's a powerful bitch. And what does she do? Takes a couple minutes, dusts herself off. And is like, let's fucking go. I, like, that's my girl. Yeah, Absolutely. Totally. I like to think about that in terms of like the dark blessing that Dragula has, like mm-hmm. our dark sort of like psychic power that we have when <laughs> yeah. we create the show. Because who knew, because we didn't, that that she suffered a near-death experience in a car crash however many years ago. Mm-hmm. And, right, and was, right off the bat. Right off the bat, she faced yeah. that immediately. And, and I'm sure there are people out there thinking like, oh, the bootlays are sadistic. Oh my you God, know what? Totally. The same thing, and we'll get to this, with Zava doing the burial. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that. No, yeah. and honestly, I mean, and like you said, like we'll get to it, but the way that Zava ended up in the bottom for that was also kind of, again, a strange thing that happened. It's like, that pump fucking broke on the way here. I'm like, you know, you may not have been in the bottom if not for that which also I would like to say I think my thighs look pretty good when I was pumping that pump girl (laughs) this isn't about you (laughs) no but that's that like that's that synchronicity that's what tells me like we're on the right path totally so we get through the haunted house no one gets exterminated Mm -hmm. they do their shots and we are on to the new boudoir so what do we think what do we think of the new boudoir Uh, that do boudoir is gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am super thrilled with the new boudoir. I have to, I have to mirror formaldehyde. I'm sorry. In the words of J. Jolie, thermaldehyde. <laughs> Why? Did, how? Okay, so that's something I wanted to talk about. How did that sneak by? These like online people see everything. Everyone, on, the people on social media, they'll see the littlest nuances mm-hmm, of the show. Call it out. Nobody <laughs> notices that Jade legitimately calls formaldehyde thermaldehyde <laughs> like, the whole twice. episode. More than once, yeah. I love it. And it, okay, what's so funny is we were with Jade uh, for Halloween in Boston for the Dragathon event, and I cornered her. I was like, Jade, listen. <laughs> I got to ask you something. She's like, oh God, what? I was like, why did you call Formeld? And her face just cracked. She started laughing. I was like, you call her Thermelda. And she's like, I know. I did it for so long and no one said anything. You know, it's funny because we say that all the time. Anytime someone says something, we're like, wah, wah. We're like, same Thermelda. Yeah. <laughs> The new boudoir is fierce. They meet each other and it's like instant explosion. Oh yeah. The personalities are like, like popping off immediately. And you know, (laughs) people that say, Oh, well, you know, they push you to cause drama. Nobody pushed anything that day. That was an explosion. And not only that, a lot of stuff got cut. I mean, they were in there for hours and I was like, yeah, if you thought that was dramatic, you know? Oh yeah. Release the full cut. I want to talk about how, Mary and Sigourney's relationship just started off on the wrong foot from moment one. Cause even yeah. back in the haunted house room, it was like, Ooh, bitch. And she's like, well then fuck her too. Because I literally think mm-hmm. Sigourney just didn't hear her. I, that's yeah. the thing about yeah. Mary. That's see, we know Mary and I yeah. know Mary is very like instant like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I legitimately think she did not get it. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree on that. And then to reflect like in the boudoir for the first couple of moments, we start to hear the voices of our competitors. We're getting to know them. We're getting to learn who they are. And I think across the board, most people that meet Sigourney would say she has a very quirky personality, right? Mm-hmm. very quirky. And it takes time to like get used to her sense of humor and her timing and just like who and how she is. 
And I think for people maybe from like a, just a straight up and kind of raw community like New York. So for people like Zaba and Mary, that makes them feel like, ooh, is she being genuine? Like it, it comes across as like, are you plotting? Like, wh- why aren't you just being like straight up and raw with me? And it, and it mm-hmm. red flags them like she's fake. But I honestly think it was just like, like Drac, you said, it's like a cultural clash. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what I thought was happening too. Because I think people thought there was other things going on, but you can't see it on TV, right? Because Sigourney is almost like Elvira in a way. She has this kind of put on personality. And yeah, she's first, like a full character. Yeah, and when you don't know her, you're like, is this bitch like, what is happening? <laughs> is she putting, is she like performing right now? So, you know, I feel like Mary and Zava are the opposite of that. They're in Brooklyn and they're like, hey, bitch, hey, what's up? You know, it's very <laughs> like totally. that. And I don't, I just think it rubbed them the wrong way. And it yeah. just, it started a clash that <laughs> continues to this day. And we learned it literally from like moment one. Yeah. And then other stuff too, like Formelda is the first person we've had on the show that is more of a digital queen. Mm-hmm. And the way that they reacted to her too was like crazy. Yeah. Well, I think also part of it is everyone came into the season, not only willing to kind of show themselves, but they were ready to compete. They wanted blood. Yeah. And yeah. You know, someone who... I really love and I respect as a character and also as an artist is Zavaleta. Right. Because I feel like just right out the gate, she is like whip smart, super fast, and she's deadly. And, you know, it's like anytime someone like had something to say, like, you know, with Saint, she's like, oh, they're doing multiple crowns this season? Oh, yeah, bitch, on your teeth. Oh, she is is great TV. I love her. I do too. And that's another thing where I feel like, you know, and I talked to her off camera, you know, after the first episode, I was like, I know that you have like a big heart, but it's not going to resonate. You got to show it. Cause it, I'm like, you seem like a cunt. <laughs> and she's like, I know, I know. I was like, you, seriously, like, you know, I, I know a different side of you. You need to share it. Yeah. And uh, you know, we encourage her, but she's just who she is. And she just assumed that, Hey, if I show myself who they are, people will pick up on it, but not everything resonates to viewers on TV on screen. It just yeah. no way to get it to come across. That's true. Yeah, it is. We introduce the challenge and you see our deadly look for the first time. And of course, like you could hear a pin drop. (laughs) (laughs) Horror icons reimagined. For me, I was like, oh, I would love to get this because you have the entire universe of horror to choose from, from graphic novels and everything all the way up to films and all of the, Mm -hmm. the icons that we know and love. So this was like a really fun challenge, I think, for anybody and a great way to kick off season four. I agree. There's something that you both say in the challenge issuing of the horror icons reimagined, which is we do not want cosplay. Yeah. And I feel like that was a thing that people either A, they really honed in on that and then they were able to kind of see where the judging came from or B, they didn't really identify with that piece of it and were like, oh, well, why did this person place this way versus this? And it's mm-hmm. like, we want to see this horror icon reimagined, transmuted through your own drag, yeah. not just a, a level 10. Like this is like a spot on cosplay because that's cool, but just not what the challenge called for. Right. And the other side of that, too, is that, you know, every episode people have to be on the bottom. It doesn't mean that they're bad. It's just if you have 10 good people, who's the three Least good. Yeah, you you're know? splitting hairs yeah. for sure. And this cast is deadly. Like there's a huge array of drag skills and this cast is deadly. There's a, always a price that we pay with Dragula, which is in the floor shows, we try to make the competitors look amazing because we want them to look great. We mm-hmm. want to feature them in their best lighting and in their best stage, right? But mm-hmm. the drawback to that is sometimes people at home don't see how they actually performed, you know? Yeah. And so that's why we started doing the flashbacks. Right. I think we started doing that in season, season three. three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did. In Resurrection, we did too, because we could make anybody look amazing, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. But their stage performance matters, which is another thing about the competition. This is not 
a look pageant. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, this is the challenge. You have to create a look and model it. But what we're looking for in a drag super monster is not just a look. We're not looking for someone to just sort of be able to make a look, not perform or not have a personality. Like I'm going to say it again. It's not a look pageant. It's not. Like yeah. drag isn't just about looks. No. If it was, then just take a picture and put it on Instagram. But the truth is people go and interact with drag in real time, in real spaces, and they should be a combination of amazing looks, amazing performances, personality, like presence, like entertainment. Like these are the things that make a good drag performer. I want the stars of our show to be able to go out in clubs and entertain. I want them to be funny or engaging or be an amazing performer. You cannot go out there and be some flop dud look queen. I'm not looking for that. <laughs> flop dud look queen, mama. <laughs> well, so that's what we try to push them yeah. to do, right? So if someone's lacking in personality or someone's lacking in performance skills or someone's lacking in look, because that can happen too. Sure. We try to push them towards improving those skills. And the idea that Dragula is a platform for professionals, but it's also a platform for an artist to grow, mm-hmm. like take the critique mm-hmm. and change and morph and learn if we see that quality in somebody you know that could be a great reason to keep them because we want to try to help as much as we can so let's talk about our judges yeah yes. some fun judges to nana reeve do who was so excited to have on the show totally someone who i mean truly an expert in the field yeah and if you haven't watched horror noir on shutter definitely watch that that's a, a project that Tanana reeve worked on and actually there's a new anthology version of horror noir that she worked on as well. So definitely watch that out. And then Darren, of course, has been on every season of the show. He's mm-hmm. like super fan of the show. He's been involved in it and helped with the show since yeah. the beginning. And now she's gotten the credit that she's due as a contributing producer because in the background, Darren has been helping us craft and push Dragula forward. Absolutely. From day one. From day one. From the day one where we had (laughs) we introduced her so unceremoniously as one of the first guest judges in season one. Yeah, the first. Okay. With that little piece of stretch fabric behind. (laughs) Damn. Humble beginnings. I love it. Did you think there's anything that needs clarity with like who did well and why or who didn't? Or do you think it's all pretty obvious? I do want to point something out because we talked about the cosplay piece. And when you look at Betty's choice of doing Elvira and it was a very close cosplay. But then when you look at Mary, who did the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, also a pretty close cosplay. And Betty takes the time to point that out. Well, I think Mary was other people were pretty close, too. But for me, the difference really was the kind of the ingenuity of the choice. Choosing the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters in the 80s was very unexpected. So even if you did a close iteration of that character, you knew what it was. The choice was camp. It was creative and it was definitely uncalled for. Like you didn't expect to see something like that. That's why it scored higher for me, even though it was maybe considered like a close cosplay. And Betty didn't end up in the extermination. I mm-hmm. mean, I even said it during the show. You don't really deserve to be in the bottom because right. it was a flawless execution, but it almost was like the opposite of us saying, let's not do cosplay, right. you know? But, you know, everyone has opinions and not everybody has to agree with our thoughts, even though there are four of us were the judges of the show. Oop. And then the extermination, of course. I think this was a revisitation, a Mm -hmm. reimagining of one of the most iconic exterminations that we've had on Dragula and the very first extermination that we had on Dragula, which is the Buried Alive. Some people, I think, didn't understand, like, why did you redo this? And I'm like, because it's horror icons reimagined. So it's the burial (laughs) reimagined. See? And it was much nastier this time. Yeah. Yes, it was. And I think part of the thing that made it more terrifying 
is that they were in a van in the middle of the night getting driven for so far away oh from the set. Oh, my God, yeah. And, you know, into the middle of nowhere. So they're, like, leaving Los Angeles. They're leaving the city. No one's talking to them. It's quiet. It's just a dark, giant bus <laughs> with two of them in it. Mm-hmm. And then they get there, and you get driven into these big gates. I mean, it's pretty horrifying, honestly. Totally. There's no lights anywhere. You bring them in, lock up the gates, and I'm sure they were like, what the fuck is happening right now? Oh, yeah. Definitely moments where I'm like, okay, there's two ways as a producer you can play this. You can either be like, okay, hey, by the way, like, we're doing this extermination, da-da-da, or you can just be like, <laughs> sit in the back of the bus and be quiet. <laughs> I was like, I told them, I was like, play the Halloween <laughs> music the whole way and they're like just stop we're not doing that and I was like you should it would have been so good (laughs) oh my god well it's funny I love the reality of it is you know they're literally six feet underground people have asked me like oh I mean okay sure buried alive what did you put them in a box I'm like no there were literal six foot graves dug with coffins in them and Zavaleta at the beginning of episode two, she's like, yeah, well, you know, I couldn't hear. Her. I could just be like, hey, sister. And it <laughs> always cracks me up. Well, people can't tell how deep it was because I noticed that the way that it was filmed, it doesn't look as deep as it actually was. But mm-hmm. I took a lot of pictures with my camera and I'm going to put some behind the scenes up to yeah. show you how deep that shit was. I, was deep. If you guys remember, I got in I know. and did the photo from like the in the ground <laughs> perspective and it was really cool. It was. So the extermination was great. Zava versus Formelda. Sadly, someone had to leave, and it was Formelda. R.I.P. Thermelda Hyde. <laughs> <laughs> really too bad. I mean, we I think we all love Formelda. Like Formelda is like hysterical and fun, and I would love to see her again. Absolutely. And there's something about Formelda that I really appreciate, which is I think Formelda is someone who has kind of grown up with the Blair Brothers Dragula as like something that they look at as aspirational. And it's also one of their favorite shows. They've had a great attitude about everything. And truly, it's always a joy to see them at events or to talk to them and really to just kind of look at their success. Like, I'm super proud of Formelda. I want the world for him. Formelda to me is an example of how to go home first right. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. You know, like... Gained tons of followers, is fun, still engaged. We see him out everywhere, and it's like, it's a good time. You know, well, you yeah. see a lot of him out on Twitter, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Formelda She's thought feeling- has uh, become a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an aspect of Thermelda. It's Thermelda thought. And <laughs> She's out there showing it all to her fans, and mm-hmm. people are loving it. She's smart. Let's just put it that way. She is smart. (laughs) Absolutely. You know who else made a very smart decision this episode before we move on is Astrid because that look was incredible. Mm -hmm. We didn't really talk about the win. I think we were excited to get to the death, which of course a lot of people look forward to. But Astrid's xenomorph was just excellent. I mean, you can see it from the minute we reveal the silhouettes right at the beginning of the floor show. It was just striking and everything super cool. It was interspecies. It was like a xenomorph. And I think it it just registered so high on everybody's Richter scale. There's always a moment from episode one of every season that has kind of like a specific moment in the floor show that I am always just gooped on the floor by. And in this one, it's Astrid whips that tail around. And Mm -hmm. then when it comes around the corner, it's in slow motion just across the screen. I remember seeing it, I was like, bitch. Yeah. For the record, in season two, it's Abora. She turns around and then her hair kind of whips around, but we do it in reverse. And the way that her hair whips, I'm always like, mama, am I on drugs? This look crazy. <laughs> Loved Abora. Oh, I, I remember feeling that way about Abora too. <laughs> <laughs> we saw Abora recently in Chicago. She performed with us at, at uh, Roscoe's. Roscoe's. Mm-hmm. 
Let's so fun to see her. I love her. She puts on such a good show. If you ever get the chance to see a Bora live, it's kind of like what you see on TV, but just way better and way more dangerous. Like her shows are incredible. I'm just glad she didn't have that upside down sign, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. So let's move on to episode two, which is our Nosferatu beach party. Ah, what a killer theme. Love the theme. Love it so Can much. Can we just talk about how awesome the theme is for yes. Oh, let's dig in a little bit. <laughs> it's it, fucking awesome. Every time anyone heard about it, when we sent the look list to the Shutter execs, there's all 10 episodes there, all this new stuff like Dragula and like what that means and like, you know, the Boulay Brothers creation, but everybody's eyes zeroed in on what is the Nosferatu, <laughs> Nosferatu Beach Party. It made so much sense to me. I'm like... <laughs> What? You don't get it. <laughs> Hello. Literally, what I pictured in my mind when we came up with that challenge is what manifested on screen. And that's not just about the looks that the competitors came up with. It's also the editor's choice in the mm-hmm. style of the filters and the lighting. I was like, brilliant. Nathan, this is exactly <laughs> what I wanted. Yeah. It was like, I was so happy with it. And I felt like the characters that they brought were in the same kind of fun tongue in cheek. Yeah. yeah. It, they brought a total fantasy. It was like, you could make a whole movie about that and it would yeah. just make total sense, even though it shouldn't make any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Even though it makes perfect exactly. sense. <laughs> and you on the beach, Ian. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yeah. I, I will say I was really, really happy with the response to let's rip her fucking throat out. Yeah. Like everyone was goofed. I was like, oh, my God, thank you. When so I wrote fun. that, I didn't know that you were going to be the one saying oh, that. Cool. Yeah. But when I was like, I love this line. And I know like <laughs> when a couple other people read it, they didn't get it. And I was like. You don't get it. And then when you ended up doing mm-hmm. that part and you read it, I was like, I knew Ian will fucking get it. Oh, and you totally. got it. I was like, yes. It's <laughs> iconic. But I also love the contrast to Andrew's character. Like, yes. it looks like a human in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing. I feel like those two vampires at the beach party for me really keyed me into the tone of the challenge. Like, yeah. it's really fun and it's really campy. But then right beneath the surface, it's got this really vicious edge to it. And I feel like, that was why, you know, to me, Saint was kind of like the perfect vampire at the beach party because she looked yeah. so fabulous and so fun. But then also when she bit into Zavaleta's neck, I was like, yeah. oh, bitch, that is a deadly vampire. Yeah, there has to be some horror under the surface. That's the way that we pictured the world when we're like Nosferatu beach party world. It's like very 60s and fun, but it's like really at, at any moment's notice it could be gruesome and horrible what yeah. is, uh, what is the, the narrator uh, at the beginning says like but fun soon turns into so frenzy, frenzy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when our million year old <laughs> youngsters, youngsters. <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah it's so it's so good but let's talk about our new aspect of the show which is called a fright feat and yes. this is sort of like the initiation <laughs> into the challenge and for this one, it was a glass of pig's blood to wash down all of that fresh garlic. Oh, God. <laughs> I love this Fright Feet. And okay, I got to say it again. The cast this year is just down to play ball. Yes. And I love them for it oh, because, God. you know, the wrong kind of cast or the wrong group of people could look at this and be like, I'm like, oh, there's there's pig's blood. And this is a, this is not cool. I'm not going to do this. But the second that we said it, they were like, Let's fucking go. And yeah. Zavaleta tore into that oh garlic. I was yeah. gooped. Yeah. So that's when things started to turn for Zava, yeah. in my mm-hmm. opinion. Like Zava did the extermination on episode one. In episode two, she was like, here's my opportunity. Yeah. Like, I'm going to prove. And yeah. she did. I and mean, I'm she telling did. you, it is not, I don't know if you've ever tried it. Eating a head of garlic is not easy at all. First of all, it's sharp, but also it will make you want to vomit. It's hot. It's the heat and the burn, too. Well, that reminds me of two things in the fright feet. One, 
Dolly makes their triumphant return to the show mm-hmm. with this mm-hmm. episode and has one of my favorite lines, oh, my eyes, because it's burning. <laughs> but then my real favorite is Mary going, oh, it's not even cooked. <laughs> Girl. Didn't she ask you, yes. is the garlic going to be cooked? I'm like, Mary, no, because then it wouldn't be a challenge. It would be lunch. <laughs> She was dunking wow. it in the blood. I was like, I she love thought it was Mary. A donut. I was oh like, Mary, why are you dipping? She's like, okay. <laughs> All right, girl. All right, babes. But now, is there one, was there multiple vegans on the... There were. Uh, Mary is a vegan and so is Sigourney. Which we gave them the option just for people at home. Mm-hmm. We gave them the option not to drink the blood, but they both did, didn't they? They did, yeah. yeah. Which I was really, really impressed and kind of shocked by. You know, we said, hey... If you're a vegan, you do not have to drink the blood. We have, you know, a substitute for you. And Sigourney immediately was like, I'm drinking the blood. And then Mary was like, well, I'm drinking the blood too. And I was like, okay, we're all you guys, I guess blood. even if you're a vegan, you'd rather drink a glass of blood than a glass of piss. So. <laughs> <laughs> Holy. <laughs> you are so full of bullshit Shit. tonight. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't let them drink something like juice, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> So I think we talked about the style and how much we love that and the introduction of the Fright Beats and Saints just super cool, super deadly execution of Mm -hmm. the challenge. And I think across the board, the deserve of the win. I think that was like kind of unanimous. But I think two other competitors came in such a close, just a little stone's throw of threatening the win. And they were paired up too, Mm -hmm. I think, which was such a fortunate turn of events because Hoso and Dolly gave us the ookiest, kookiest little pair mm-hmm. of gremlin-vibed vampires that made the show, like, so super fun. Couldn't pick which one I liked better, honestly. Yeah. Like, this was a really hard judgment to pick who the winner was. Yeah. I think Saint just eked out ahead, mm-hmm. but both Hoso and Dolly, I think, were fantastic. You know, there's someone who I want to shout out who we've made reference to her several times. We haven't really invoked the name of this spirit yet, which is Coco Kane. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, re-watching that episode... There's so many little details in Coco's look. It's not necessarily like at the beach. Like she's more of kind of like Atlantic City stripper vampire, right. but she just looks fabulous. And she has these little tiny baby fangs with the jewels on them and those ears. I stan Coco. I Kane. love that look. And I even said, I was like, we want to do something with that character. Yeah, yeah totally. Because it's so good. And that was the problem, right? That was one of the things that was hard about this judgment was I love the look so much. Yeah. I just didn't think it was beach yeah Yeah, well the moment too to take the stage and have the shine on you there was some friction and confusion there with her and mary's character and it just didn't really work and our amazing fucking guest judge vanessa hudgens really picked up on that too right i love this character you're looking for your vamp daddy on the pier it was like (laughs) it's so sexy and dirty and like filthy and fun and she hit us all with that over the head Mm -hmm. she really fell to the back during that performance and it was sad to see because when she did her solo floor show it was kind of flawless. But when she got up there and it was a team challenge, that's where she faltered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to touch on Betty for a quick second because I think Betty's look, it might have surprised people when you looked at Betty's look that she was kind of like uh, scoring low because it was almost like classic. You could see it, the period details and like the hair and the costume were absolutely there. It was definitely vampiric, but we saw that she really missed the mark on being able to take the camera and be the star in the Mm -hmm. moment. I thought she looked incredible. And there was even some fun gags that were planned with like the SBF 1000 on the bald head and all that. It was really entertaining, very campy. I loved the performance, but it was just kind of the same thing with Coco, which was 
when you have your opportunity to be the star, you need to be the star. You need to shine. Yeah, Betty was still scared Yeah, mm-hmm. to me. She was scared to be on stage. She was scared to look at the camera. And that was the problem is that you have cameras zooming in on you and everybody had their solo moment. And she literally looked away from the camera. Yeah. You could just tell she was nervous and trepidatious. And I was like, damn, you know, and I even said it on the Mm -hmm. show. I was like, I hate this for her, but it is happening. That speaks to something that I think people don't really understand about drag TV or, you know, performing drag in front of cameras versus being on stage. I mean, Betty has a career that spans, I mean, multiple decades. Mm -hmm. Like Betty is a seasoned performer and she's a great drag artist. But being in front of cameras or, you know, being put into this kind of particular situation is completely different. And Mm -hmm. for some people it kind of forces you to really magnify and look in on yourself and be like, whoa, wait a minute, who am I as a drag artist? Who am I on stage? And I think it can be kind of a huge mindfuck for a lot of people. It is a mindfuck because you can't hide behind anything that you normally do. Like you're standing there on stage, there's a million cameras pointed at you and you're just like, oh shit. Like it's just me. Yeah. It's just me. You know, as a seasoned performer myself, when you go on a stage, what you get is the energy in the room and that can feed your performance and can, can kind of like, you know, elevate and amplify what you do, but you don't get any of that. You, like it's you, you have to be the energy, you have to be the star, you have to be the performer and it can be a challenge. And for you some don't people. know if people like it or hate it as you're doing it. Well, when you're performing live, you start to hear cheers and you start mm-hmm. to get encouragement. But here it's like yeah. silent. Well, the music's playing, but there's like no, the silence as far as any human interactions. So you're like, I hope I'm doing good. I hope I'm doing good, girl. <laughs> I don't know, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing a lot up in here. Yeah. So what do we think about, obviously, the big grand finale, which yeah. was Astrid and how she reacted to right. being... Yeah, to being in the bottom. What what did you all think of that? I will say, first and foremost, I love Astrid. I think Astrid is really cool. I think Astrid's drag is really amazing. And I actually really love where Astrid is taking their drag, Mm -hmm. you know, into more of kind of this like creature reptilian sort of route, um, as she and I have talked about, as opposed to punk rock fashion lady. Um, But (laughs) I feel like this is kind of a classic example of when you go onto the show and something doesn't really go your way, it's really easy to get just lost in it. Like you kind of find yourself in this black hole of like, suddenly you're having a panic attack and you don't know how to really react to it. And I feel like she let that situation get the best of her and it just spiraled and it was fucking crazy. (laughs) For viewers at home too that wouldn't know this, it was much worse. It was a lot. (laughs) It was much worse. There was a lot more to it that trailed out into the alley and It just went on for a long time, but I think we accurately showed what happened without it being exploitive, you know? What was difficult to accept the realization that Astrid was going to be exterminated was the fact that they are so talented. So talented. And this is something that we've talked about with Astrid on the side. And even when they were going through the audition process and just, you know, we have personal relationships with the competitors outside of the competition. You know, we keep it separate, but... Once the show's done, we've now been with them for months, so we really, you know, have a personal relationship with Astrid, and we just wanted to impart it then and now, too. Like, the level of talent, like, musically, visually, the performance ability, like, it's so high. I almost feel like that was part of the trap of Astrid going into episode two, because the visual of the xenomorph was fucking excellent. And then when you get into that situation where you're up for... A harsh critique and you have a meltdown and you can't really handle it. It's a really difficult thing for everyone. Well, that's the thing with a competition like this. You could win one episode and go home the next and 
yeah, it sucks for that to happen for them and for us. Because I was really shocked. I would have never guessed in a million oh, years yeah. mm-hmm. that Astrid was going home second up until literally a few hours before it happened. In fact, we struggled with that for a while because the performances were kind of neck and neck. And then the performances in the extermination weren't telling enough where it was so obvious that, until... That was neck. I mean, you we oh, all yeah. know the oh, entire yeah. production team. Yeah. It went on Labor and on. It. I believe, honestly, up until the van was sent to Betty's room to get her, that's what? when it was. It would literally. Actually, I think the van was parked outside. It of, was. It was iconic in the moment because we sent a text and it was like, bring Betty to set. And that was the moment where it yeah. was decided. It because, was the, one of the hardest decisions yeah, ever. It really was. I don't want to talk too much about it because we do get into it at the reunion. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I think Astrid has dealt with it phenomenally. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Astrid's an amazing artist. This is definitely not the end. This is the beginning, in my opinion, for Astrid. So, yeah, it was great TV. I'm glad that she got through it and she's in a better space now. And let's see what the future holds, you know? Yes, God. We are going to take a break. And when we return, we will be jumping right into our recap of episode three and the weird, wild west. UK fans of the Boulay Brothers Dragula, now is your time. The official Boulay Brothers Dragula World Tour kicks off in the UK this March with stops in Edinburgh, Glasgow, Newcastle, Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham, London, Nottingham, Leeds, Sheffield, Brighton, and Bristol. We'll be bringing our top competitors of the season with us for a show you'll have to see to believe. General admission and meet and greet tickets are on sale now at DragulaLive.com. Join us or die. All right, welcome back, everyone. We are going to move on to our recap of episode three, The Weird Wild West. And despite all the drama of episodes one and two, it was really fun to see them kind of getting on and having a good time in the boudoir right out of the gate. They oh were God, good absolutely. time gals. They sure episode. were. Giddy up, good time gals. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Also, my favorite moment and a gift saved to my phone. Giddy up, girlies. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I, I think you actually inspired that writing into the script. <laughs> oh, love to hear it. Love to see it. This episode was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it kind of started off fun with them riding on each other's backs around in the booth. <laughs> <laughs> Always fun. And God, the themes are just fucking cool this season. Up until mm-hmm. this point, it's like one after the other after the other. They're so good. And this one's inspired by those wacky comic strips from like the 50s and 60s, which melded outer space and aliens with like sorcery and like gunslinging mm-hmm. from the Wild West. Like really a huge well of like cool inspiration. Yeah, this is one of those episodes that came together magically because oh, yeah. when we were deciding like, I love this theme, I actually want to do a, a stage show to this theme for yeah. the Blade Brothers. But, you know, it was kind of partially like, is Orville and Trixie going to come together? Because yep. they were an important component of it to me. And they, it just all magically happened. I was like, boom, it's happening. I mean, another piece of the kind of it's magically happening was I remember trying to manifest this mechanical bull onto the stage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mama, <laughs> here we fucking go. But then I literally, I feel like I turned around and suddenly there's a giant fucking hell bull on the stage. I was so, I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, I clapped my hands together. I'm like rubbing my hands. I'm like, 
just wait till they come out of the cauldron. They're not going to believe how quickly this hell bull manifested. <laughs> and they were just like, they didn't okay. give, one, they didn't give shit. one shit. The whole room is transformed. <laughs> Can someone be gagged or something? I oh think, you know what? It's just goes to show how impressive we all are and how they just True. know to expect yes. that kind of transformation. They know us. the levels of our dark magic and how powerful it can be. But back to Trixie and Orville, like I just loved the queer representation. And then the note that it hit was just perfect with this challenge, them coming together. Like what a weird cabal of a queerdos, but it was kind of perfect. Zava snatches the win. Dolly a close second, I would say. Yeah. Zava and Dolly's characters absolutely have to happen in a graphic novel. Like, and I think actually I saw fan art. Someone put them in a kind of a comic book strip battling each other. And I was like, it's perfect. Like they literally look like they could be arch enemies in the weird wild west. So I want to cool. write that. I, it could please. be like a horny Definitely. homo, like <laughs> oh, drag put, battle. I'm like, yes, Oh my bitch. God, I could write that up in a minute. <laughs> Let's put that spin mm-hmm. on it. Gazava's character was so sexually ambiguous and I just love right. the, the gender neutrality and you just didn't know what you were dealing with. And the smile, it was just yeah. so sinister and cool. I mean, that was something that I really, one, I just I just love this about the Belay Brothers Dracula, but I really <laughs> do. Like, I feel like, you know, we consistently break down the barriers of like, well, what is drag? Well, it's not just five, six, seven, eight, you know, flop queen at the bar. Like, you, <laughs> you know, we're playing with gender. And <laughs> it's just part of the conversation, right? Yeah. You know, and Zava's character was, you know, Caballero, caballera, caballerex. Um, and, you know, and Dali's character is masculine to a fault. Like, it's so just gnarly looking. And I just, I thought that those two characters, I was like, this is drag. Like, yeah. th- these are costumes of gender. And I really have to give it to Zava because, you know, she had the nails, but then also had the mustache and yeah. also had yeah. the boots. I was like, this character is so, so good. wild. Zava completed the arc of literally being in the ground and like rising to the top with tenacity and fire from eating the garlic and the blood and just doing that and showing that, yes, you can be literally as low as you can be and then rise super quickly. My favorite thing to see on the show. Mm -hmm. I love it when a competitor sort of learns from their experience on the show and quickly adapts. That's really what the show is all about. Absolutely. And the same thing for Betty too. Like Betty really shined in this episode that like cyborg Dolly Parton Terminator was everything. And I think Betty kind of catches her groove here. Yeah. And you also start to see her self doubt, right? Because she sort of doesn't know where she places. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've talked to her since then and she told me, she was like, I didn't ever understand what was going on. And she was like, because, you know, at first it took me like three episodes to really just get my bearing. She was yeah. like, there was so much going on around me. There's cameras and you're getting shoved from this set to that set and oh, that yeah. set. And, and she said it was just confusing, you know, and she yeah. was actually really scared during judgment, she said, too. Mm. So she was like intimidated by us and the other judges. And so she wasn't really registering Present. what we were saying. Yeah. She was just kind of like, do I have to <laughs> eat eels or something? <laughs> you know, and I think that's what that's how her reaction yeah. was. Yeah. And this was a sad episode, I think, for all of us. Yeah. It, it, it's sad to see anyone leave the show. Of course. But I think I can say this with confidence that Coco really kind of occupies a very special place in all of our hearts because she's oh, yeah. like our, our queen. Like, I oh, love, yeah, I we stand all love Coco. Coco. Love yeah, Coco. Totally. So to see that the way that the challenges panned out and the way that the drag panned out and the way that the, it all just worked, this was our episode to see Coco go. Yeah. You know, something that people may not know about Coco and her drag and kind of the way that her drag presents on the show is there were a lot of things behind the scenes where you know, designers either fell through or, you know, certain elements of Coco's drag did not manifest on the show and it wasn't her fault. And as a result of that, Coco was making drag every fucking day. And I remember just looking at her and being like, 
that is a really fucking powerful drag artist. Yeah, yeah, she didn't have all the materials that she needed. But yeah, I would see her sweating in the boudoir. She'd have her shirt off with headphones <laughs> on, just like tearing up yeah, a wig. Yeah, even repurposing or things. Repurposing oh, yeah. things and re-sewing them. Like, God, that innovation. Like, it's so impressive. Well, also, don't forget, she would be in the boudoir with her shirt off, with her double G tit plate <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we love her. We definitely want to see her back, and fans will see her again before the end of the show. <sighs> Which I can't wait for. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and we're not talking peeled. about The Last Supper either. Ooh, ding, ding, ding. All right, so why don't we move on to episode four, <sighs> The Monsters of Drama. I mean, <laughs> The Monsters of Rock. <laughs> oh, this episode was insanity. This is yeah. our legacy challenge. Now, you know, a lot of people thought when we warned them that there was a part where we had to intervene as producers and stop them from going ape shit, that this was the episode. Mm-hmm. Surprise, it wasn't. This Surprise. was just the setup. This was this just was, the setup. This was the setup for what's coming. <laughs> I honestly think this was maybe one of the best episodes of Dragula ever. Yeah, I think that if we kind of talk about, oh, you know, that episode three, everything kind of coalesced in the correct way to make that episode happen. I feel like the same thing happened with episode four. You know, you guys had already kind of developed a relationship with Poppy. You know, she's been on Creatures of the Night. That kind of came into focus. And then when the cast came into focus, it was like, oh, my God, this is a group of performers who could really slay a Monsters of Rock challenge. Yeah, totally. And of course, I think everybody was sort of like biting their teeth to see Ah. Dali at the helm of a band because we know there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, a lot of pressure. But that's their history, too. And it was just, uh, I don't know, all everything just sort of like clicked in. Also that Rachel True ended up being available for that episode and yeah. she loves rock and roll. I was like, yes, the totally. universe is looking out for us. It's so funny. I remember uh, when y'all reached out to her, like, you know, are you into rock and roll? Because, you know, I mean, not every challenge fits every guest right. judge. And she was like, I fucking love rock and roll. <laughs> I really want to do it. I was like, oh, great. Well, let's have you back. That's yeah. perfect. So... This was a crazy episode, right? I think we saw two sides of the coin here. We saw one team that was clicking in. They were speaking the same language. They were listening. They were creating moments for each other. Very supportive. And the creativity was just flowing. And on the other side of that coin, given the same challenge, the same amount of time in the same circumstance, we saw a team on fire. Just nothing was working. The communication Mm -hmm. was like just terrible and they were at each other's throats and bringing out the worst in each other the whole episode from a competition point of view you know glam rot obviously failed miserably yeah but from a reality tv point of view glam rot you won my heart (laughs) glam rot i want i want front row vip tickets to the reunion tour right now (laughs) betty tweeted like something about it the oh my god the drumming yeah (laughs) i I saw a tweet today where she was like i was drumming so haphazardly someone had to ask me could you at least try to drum on beat and i remember that happening on stage i was like face crack like oh betty well that's the thing when you're doing instruments you have to sort of like lip sync with the instruments yeah. i don't think people register that all the time i'm like you have to lip sync with your instrument well yeah. speaking of like not really registering there's something that at least i feel this way i really don't think that mary was trying to be purposefully disruptive to the group i think that she straight up did not get is sigourney the lead singer and also the leader or is she just the lead singer like that's, it's up to interpretation that's the thing about mary is i think people think she was just being an asshole and 
I know <laughs> that she wasn't. She yeah. legitimately didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it, I know people be like, well, how could you not know? Okay, yes, that's that's a fair criticism. How the well, fuck could you I, not I'm know? I'm like, have you seen <laughs> this show called <laughs> Dracula? The one that you're on? But regardless <laughs> of that, it doesn't mean that she still didn't know. And I'm telling you, I don't think she did. Yeah. I think sometimes in these situations, like Betty being on Absolutely. stage and not really registering that, you, hey, you're in the top, you did a great performance. There's a lot going on. There's it's sensory overload. There's expectation. Your blood is pumping. There's panels and stars and get off the stage on the stage cameras swirling in your face. I think disorientation is definitely a part of this ride for sure. And like you said, we said everyone's drag character is different. And someone like Mary has a place on a show like this. A hundred percent. We know Mary from live performance spaces and she's haphazard as hell. And it's fucking funny, honestly. Like yeah. not. I mean, honestly, if you're in a club and Mary's there. Get you're going to know she's there and you're going to laugh and you're going to have fun. You're going to have a great time. Oh, and yeah. I think that that energy belongs in a show like this, you know, but it doesn't always translate well when you're in a, a hardcore performance challenge like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even though I do also believe that Mary was genuinely confused about what role she would have and what role Sigourney would have, I can acknowledge that. But that aside, Sigourney's job was made very difficult oh by God. her teammates. Oh, I mean, yeah. The I don't hardest. think anyone could have done a better job or a different kind of job because it was like working with tools that just didn't want to work with you. There is more to that story, too. There's more behind the scenes things that happened mm-hmm. to infuriate the team that I think will come out at the Last Supper. So I don't think we should speak too much about it, but it's yeah. not as obvious as everyone thinks it is. It's not that we don't show things that happen, but it's like if you're getting off the bus and you whisper to someone, Hey, sorry, I was an asshole today. There's no camera, Sherry. Like, what are you doing? I want to tell them that all the time, but they don't. I want to clarify that and expand on that because, you know, I think some of the competitors may be like, well, why wasn't this shown? Or why am I getting less air quotes camera time than others? And the truth is if you gave us very little to work with that day, and you were either playing it safe or you were more of a wallflower that day or you were just concentrating on your performance and not giving to the camera, then Sherry, we don't have anything to work with. Nobody <laughs> wants get to what just you see deserve. stare blankly at the screen. <laughs> what I'll say is that if anyone was staring blankly at the screen or playing it safe in the first episodes, that changes by episode five. And I think everyone gets very comfortable around the camera. <laughs> right. Well, it's, I mean, just, I, we're kind of jumping the gun, but you're right. Like by the time episode five rolls around, everyone's very comfortable and the claws really come out. But then something happens in episode six where, I mean, truly this, the Scorpio and me, like the sensitive, like intensely sensitive part of me, like everyone apologizes. And I'm like, oh, my girls. I'm like, I kind of love that too. But I also feel like, oh no, I want more fireworks. <laughs> I want well, more venom. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there is a correction, but like, I think Hoso says it. She's like, this ain't going to (laughs) last. Yeah, totally. So in this episode, I think it's safe to say that Dali and Sigourney, the leaders of both bands, give us the best looks. The looks were incredible. Mm -hmm. And by performance alone, like, I think Dali, like, pulls out. As a great leader, the band gave us the better performance of the night. And I think that sets us up for the who do you think should go home moment. And this was an epic first for us. Yeah. I maybe just don't have a huge knowledge of reality television, although I think I kind of do. I don't think that there's ever been a moment like this that has played out exactly in this way. You know, Mm -hmm. like, of course, like moments like, who do you think should go home and why? That happens all the time. But for an entire cast to unanimously nominate one singular person, I'm like, bitch survivor wishes they could have that mm, it was I mean, crazy i forgot i was on set on camera myself for a minute because i was like 
watching it unfold. Like I was at home watching TV. I was like, (laughs) wow. I was like, is this really happening right now? Yeah. And it was good TV, but it was also hurtful Heart, to see. Heartbreaking, it was, it was. I don't want to see that for anybody on the show ever. And that that sucked, you know? I mean, I think everything happens for a reason, you know? And things that happen to you that don't make sense now will one day make sense. And you look back on them and you're like, oh, that's why that happened to me. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. something I had to learn or there's some growth I had to go through. And I find that at least that that seems to be the truth. No, I think that's a very wise piece of perspective that people could learn from in almost every situation, you know, and it's sometimes you don't know how dangerous something is or how fun it is until you try it yourself. Like Ian did when it came time for the extermination. (laughs) Yes. Let's talk about the extermination. This extermination was my favorite up until that point of the season. Mm -hmm. Like when I saw the final, I was like, I love this. It was so good. The dreadnought (laughs) electrocutioner. When we were listening to our new favorite recap podcast called Ghoul Friends, which are (laughs) our new girls, they're like uh, one of them's from Scotland and they have like the cutest accents. And we were listening to it last night, their recap of episode four. And they said, and Drac's newest machine, the Dreadnought Electrocutioner. She said it exactly how I intended. It was so great. We never, we literally kind of swear to not listen to any kind of recap podcast or look at anything online. Like we just... We stopped doing that after season mm-hmm. two and we'll never go back. Yeah. But someone turned us on to this one and we were like driving and I was like, let's listen to it. And I, I kind of love it. It's really fun. Oh my God. Here's that's a free amazing. commercial for the Ghoul Friends podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hey, go Better not say anything nasty about us. <laughs> no, they're really supportive <laughs> of the performers and they love drag. You can tell. They're intelligently critical, yeah. but not rude or abusive, which I like. If I had any criticism, I'd just say I want to know their opinions about the way the Boulay brothers look on episodes because they tend to focus on only the competitors. And I'm like, bitch. Oh and one of them does sound like they're in an aquarium and I think she needs a new mic. But oh otherwise, <laughs> but let's talk about your experience because obviously as mm-hmm. a responsible producer, yep. you sat your ass down and got shocked. I'm going to share the pictures online too. Please do. Yeah, How I was mean, it? It was It was a lot, honestly, and it hurts. It fucking hurt. Yeah, and so we got into the room, and I was like, okay, David, you and I are doing this. And so we strapped ourselves in, and, you know, the voice comes on. It's like, welcome to the Dreadnought Electrocutioner. You know, select your whatever, whatever. And David and I just pressed the button. I mean, it was literally, I was like, I was Betty, and he was Jade, and we were just pressing the button on each other. And it was, I mean, you're sitting there, you're waiting. It's like, okay. Okay. (laughs) It's just like a shock goes through your body. It's a lot. It is not enough to really fuck you up and hurt you in any sort of serious way. And really, the sound is the scariest part. But I remember getting out and being like, oh, yes, bitch, get ready. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough, but it's so good. It was so fun. It was fun because instead of it being us doing stuff to them, they were doing it to each other. So they can't blame it on us if they had welts the next. What a twist. All right, uglies, it's time for another break. Now take a moment to gather yourselves, because when we return, we dive deep into the ocean of madness that is episode five and the ghost ship glamour challenge. Dying for more creations from the Boulay brothers? Find our new music now on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite sounds. Our EP, Time to Die, releases soon. So be sure to subscribe to our channel to be the first to know when we release new music for The Monstrous.
All right, welcome back, everyone. We are going to dive right into episode five, our ghost ship of glamour. And this is the one that we've been setting up for. This is the one. This is the one that we warned everyone about. So at this point, we're halfway through the competition. The competitors have been through a lot. They've been well Mm -hmm. taken care of, but it's very stressful to be in this situation for as long as they have been at this point. That is true. There's a lot that happens, and we meet a new competitor for the first time. We meet Petty Betty. Petty Betty. I was screaming. I was screaming when I saw it. And, you know, you can see Jade start to come out of her shell, I suppose, or perhaps crack under pressure a little bit. I think Jade in general is a very friendly, nice person, Mm -hmm. but just like the rest of us, when put in a pressured situation, eventually you're going to snap a little bit, which she did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of like episode one, but also maybe the dark side of the same coin. When they got into that entrance boudoir and when Jade saw Betty walk in, I mean, you could literally, you could hear a pin drop. You could cut through the silence with a knife, whatever you want to call it. It was like, oh, we're getting ready to fucking fight. Well, so they had come off of just shocking the hell out of each other the previous episode. And part of that sort of Sigourney Mary drama was because of something that happened between Jade and Betty, Mm -hmm. which they don't really articulate, I don't think, in either episode. But we do talk about it at the Last Supper. But you see that drama carry over into this episode and they go at it. Yeah, their contempt for each other is like palpable. You can see like, oh my God. And I thought about it from the perspective of like, what was it? Only episode like one or two when they were like, oh, Jade, come and sit by me. Like the Nosferatu beach party. Right. They were partners. And it it was almost a little sad to see the friendship just explode. There's that montage where Jade and Betty's like, Jade. And like Betty calls her over and they're having fun. Like it really makes me sad because I'm like, damn, for a minute, these two people, I think were really close. Yeah. And then. Episode five comes around, they get on the ghost ship and they go crazy. They literally go insane. But let's be honest, everybody went crazy that episode. Yeah. I mean, there was something in the water that episode, (laughs) for sure. There was. So we start off with everyone at each other's throats. Mm -hmm. Uh, We tell them the challenge, which is not only a look challenge, but it's a performance challenge, which (gasps) I think people forgot by the time they got to the cauldron at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were all talking and arguing about looks. And I'm like, remember, this is a lip sync performance. Yeah. And let's not gloss over what it was a performance to. Our new song, Wicked Love, which uh, just came out today, actually. Yeah. Um, As of this recording. Yeah. 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 People are very excited about it, as are we. And we thought this was going to be such a special episode because they would be performing not to just any song, but to our new song. Mm-hmm. And we wrote it for this challenge, particularly. Yeah. So I told them that on set, too. I was like, this isn't just a song that we're plugging in. Like, we wrote this song for this challenge. And it's about a, you know, a couple and one of them dies and the other one sort of is not being the, like, humble, nice spirit that's like, go on and have a life and find a new mm-hmm. lover. They're like, I'm going to rip your throat out and drag yeah. you into the depths with me. Yeah. Which is really, I think, a healthy way. To <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, there was another element that we introduced here, and it's a mysterious artifact <sighs> that we've seen in the past. <laughs> a, very powerful, <laughs> a very powerful artifact that can manifest its powers in different ways, usually by the choice of its wielder, and that is the key to life and death. First of all... Why did it take them an hour and a half to find the key of life? And I was like, oh, my God. I mean, so many of them touched it so many times before Jade found it. (laughs) In the words of Dali, it's a finite area. Like, it's not like you're searching a town. Like, just, I don't know, touch (laughs) under. And I think, literally, I think it was either Betty or Zava reached under exactly where it was. And I was like, you had to have touched it. Yeah. 
Maybe it's they just uncanny. didn't know they thought it was a part of the mechanics of the the tables because they went up and down, you know? I don't know. It wild. <laughs> it, it's wild, but as fate would have it, Jade found the key. And, mm-hmm. and uses it later in the episode in mercilessly. a way. Mercilessly. <laughs> viciously and in such a deadly way. You um, know, I know that she vacillated on oh, yeah. that back and forth. And I don't think anybody knew until she was on stage what she was going to do because she wouldn't really say, I don't think. She did not take that decision lightly at all, Mm-mm. which I appreciate. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah. I hate when people get those sort of grenades and they don't uncap them. So I, I kind of appreciate that yeah. she did use it. I'm like, you have a deadly weapon and she used it. Yeah. Totally. Years, you know, you can use it offensively or defensively. And I liked seeing Jade use it. Uh, offensively, not because I wanted anything to happen to Betty, but just because I'm like, this is like a very powerful, deadly thing. And to use it is a choice. And I'm kind of excited that she yeah. made that choice. I almost wonder why she didn't use it against Sigourney or someone that did well that episode, you know? Well, it's, you know, like you said, like it's a deadly weapon and you got to figure out how to use it. And I think that there's kind of this conversation about like, you know, playing the game that I think a lot of them allude to the game. And when yeah. I look at, you know, I've never competed on a reality show. I've never competed in drag ever in my life. But I look at things like this and I would say, I think there is a level of, gamification and a competition that you do have to play a little Mm -hmm. bit like you know it's cutthroat like if you need to eliminate someone from the competition you have the chance you should fucking take it absolutely yeah i think that's what i would do though i think i would try to see who's the strongest person and that's who i would try to take out because eventually you're going to come up against them if you stay so yeah even though Petty Betty rhymes and it sounds a lot better, <laughs> Jade has a little bit of that pettiness too, which I kind of live for. Yeah. yeah so for this sure. episode was crazy. This is the episode they all go nuts and they're all unhappy. The floor show itself is actually gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's mysterious and it's cool. And we have a pair of great judges like Christian Nairn, who is a super fan of the oh, show. Yeah. People see like, holy shit, the Boulets are sitting there with Hodor. And yes, I was getting my life because I am a huge fan of Game of Thrones. And Phil Nobile Jr., who is the editor-in-chief at Fangoria, is sitting there and joining us. And I think that their feedback was sage. And I think I would invite either of them back because it was a great panel. Yeah, I mean, the editor-in-chief of Fangoria, who better to judge a horror-themed challenge than that? And also Hodor, Christian, is... A drag artist themselves. Yeah. Yes, Revlon. Which yeah. is such a goof. <laughs> I know. So he performed in drag for a long time and kind of made a name for himself. So he knows what he's talking about when it comes to drag. It wasn't just like, hey, here's a celebrity. Let's slap him on there. Yeah. The floor show is gorgeous, but I think for many reasons, Sigourney is declared the winner and then everyone mm-hmm. is like poured into the cauldron where they proceed to go absolutely insane and yep. literally bubble over. Yeah, and I would say, I think maybe Dali would have came in second, would you all say? I think based on the judgment of that episode, Dali is a close second. Yeah, Dali's lip sync was very flawless and maximized the stage and had lights built into their costumes. So when he took off his hat, the light, you know. It yeah, was it was, there yeah. was a distinguished look. It was glamorous, but it's Sigourney's performance that mm-hmm. wins the day. And I think a lot of people forget that because it was like, the look, the look, the look. And it's not like Sigourney's look was necessarily bad, no. but... The way that she performed it, she performed it like she was 100% in control of the visual. The lip sync was meticulous and she hit some of the things that to me are like the high points of the song, like the banshee wails and the chanting. Other people skipped those moments and Sigourney took those moments and to me, it was the strongest performance for sure. She was the only person that lip synced that sort of siren's wail, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's an ocean theme challenge and we put in this sort of siren song and she came to the edge of the stage 
and opened her arms up and just owned it. And that is how I would have performed that song. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we're the ones that wrote it. So that's how I would perform that song. The fact that she was the only one that did it is what sold it for me. Mm-hmm. And with the other people literally avoided it. And I'm like, it's a strange Hello. choice. It is a strange choice. But Saint scored relatively high. Yes. Mm-hmm. And their unhappiness about their critiques when it came time to talk in the cauldron was kind of a weird look for her because to complain about being on the top and saying things like she was giving 200% and, you know, even though other people were kind of giving a lot too, maybe Saint's critiques were a little harsher than everyone else's and, and like that. When other people in the room are literally on the bottom <laughs> and might go home, it's like, Sherry, you need to save this moment for another time. Well, I think that the competition was getting to everybody and it was manifesting in different ways for each performer. Yeah. And in Saint, I think that's how it manifested. Yeah, that's You know, fair. the one thing about Saint is at this point in the competition and, you know, other things happen in the future. But up until this point, she's been getting the same critique, which was about her performance, mm-hmm. right? Because she doesn't have a lot of energy on stage and she doesn't take up a lot of the stage and she's just not... She's kind of an ethereal yes, performer rather yes. than... like She's not like bombastic. Right. right, and and the other competitors up until this point, most of them are. And so, yeah, she's just getting a critique and she wasn't happy about it. But so too, Hoso still... And, you know, I love Hoso, but I don't see what she sees in the look, but that's fine. We all have opinions. Unfortunately, I'm the judge of this competition, <laughs> so it does matter what I think, yeah. right? The look's going to matter, girl. It's going to matter. It's kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and basically, this is the moment where I think everyone's been waiting to see Jade and Zava, like, lose their minds on uh, each other. Like, literally go carry insane. On, carry <laughs> on. I've been, that has been in my head for months and I'm so glad that now it's out there in the world. And I'm going to say this now to anybody that watches this episode, if you go online and you trash them for this, I hate you forever. You're blocked. You're deleted. I hate you. Don't ever watch the show again because this episode is TV gold. This is up there with like Scary Island on Real Housewives. This is up there with like. Bad Girls Club. I'm like, this is a fight fight. And there's yeah. so many good sound bites. Like even Hoso. I was talking. I, I was, was talking, talking. I was talking. I was talking. I love it. I'm like, Hoso, I love that for you. Totally. I mean, all of them. I'm just like. Even Dolly's like mouth. Like she doesn't even say it. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> oh, they try to bring up the Mary fight in Hoso's. Can we cannot talk about this again? I'm like, seriously. Yeah. If you don't, if you're not here for this drama, I don't care. I, I don't really either. don't care. It's a show. It's for entertainment. You know, yeah. nobody got hurt in the filming of this. <laughs> People said the same shit about episode one of, of season, season two. two. Oh, like, oh, this did. is oh, I remember And now that. it's like, it's classic. Now, now this they is like classic yeah. Dragula. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So anyways, we loved it. <laughs> yes, it was a little bit of a toxic moment, but that's, <laughs> that's what I love about the show. The show is a journey. It's like, this is the middle of the book. This is when things get hard. This is when your heroes get shipwrecked and you don't know how they're going to survive. And that's what's happening here. So keep watching. The tale continues and it takes unexpected turns. So don't think you know everything yet. (laughs) (laughs) Jade uses the key to put Betty up and it really seals her fate. And she literally goes down with the ship. And, And what happens afterward is what we've alluded to kind of publicly a few times is that we had to have an intervention yeah. with the level of drama that was happening and how hot and how viperous and it did kind of push a little too far. So we kind of had to bring everybody a little bit back down to earth and say, you know, it's good to be passionate. It's good to be on the ride and care about what's happening. It's not good to kind of lose yourself and sort of like lashing out at your fellow competitors. And we needed to do that, I think, to a degree. And I think it was the right thing to do. Absolutely. Well, 
you know, I think that when we watch the show back, it's boiled down to its most dramatic and its most kind of, in my opinion, fun moments. But when we were filming it, I remember there being a sense of this is not fun anymore. Like people were really getting their feelings hurt and it was just getting intense. And, you know, as a team, we said, okay, we got to step in here. And we literally sat everyone down. We're like, can we all just like cool off for a second and talk about your feelings? And I think at the end of it, everyone walked away thinking, okay, some of the hot air is let out of the room. That was the moment where we sat everybody down and we were like, look, we want to remind you why you're here. You're competing and this and this. And and we showed them the Meet Our Monsters yeah. trailer. Oh, that's right. And I felt, and Zava cried. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the moment where they realized, oh my God, I'm, I'm not, I'm not focused on what is important here, you yeah. know? And I think they saw themselves and they're like, wow, I'm on TV. Like that's me on screen. Yeah. And we played it for them on that giant screen. And, and I think it just made a big difference. And, you know, you'll see how it evolves into the next episode. The show is hard. It is difficult to be yeah. on the show. It puts people in a pressure cooker and sometimes it shows them in the worst light. Yeah. What that translates to oftentimes for the audience is amazing entertainment. Yeah. So people air quote fans, like viewers need to stop their bullshit with the hate and kind of flaming some of our competitors. If they don't like what they see on TV, I want to remind you it's TV, it's entertainment. Like these are people with feelings that are three dimensional and living and competing and sharing a crazy stressful time in their life with us. And it's kind of a privilege to be able to watch it and they don't deserve any of that kind of negativity. Well, if Absolutely. you do that to people that go on these reality shows, you're going to get really bad reality shows in the future because then you say, oh, well, this season of the show is boring and nobody does anything and there's no drama. And I'm like, well, that's because everyone's afraid to say anything and to be real to each other. They're protected and it's it's actually why Jay was afraid to open up. Yeah. I think this was a great episode, but it's time to move on to episode six. To the Boulet Beauty Bazaar. Yeah, are so, you pursuing it? <laughs> it oh, what is it? Um, like, are you tired of pursuing an ideal of beauty? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is episode six, our hairy monster episode. And this wasn't drama filled, but there was unexpected drama. There was definitely something that happened that really kind of threw a really sad pivot onto things. Jade's cat unfortunately died and she was kind of dealing with that. And it really, it took the episode from being, I mean, we really, everyone said, okay, we're, we're going to have fun today. And then this happened. It was kind of like, oh, Jade, no. It was I hard. Know. It was and rough. so hard. Well, I was like, we have these wigs. This is fun. Nobody's going to be mad today. You can't, you know, I always yeah. say this. I was like, you can't get mad in a big wig like that because you look like an ass, you know? Yeah, totally. like, these are fun wigs. This is a fun challenge. It's easy. No one's fighting. Great. And then it's like in the middle of filming, it was like Jade's emergency contact call. I was like, no. No, please. No. It, look, it, it was unfortunate, but it did come after like kind of like the ultimate palate cleanse. Yeah, like, yeah at, that's true. Episode five, we were holding our breath. Everyone was so clenched and just ready to kill each other. But we kind of got through that. And this episode, from the introduction of a hairy monster theme to those giant <laughs> wigs and just everyone kind of had fun again. It was like a reconnect. And they're running around with wigs, just dying to get one on Dali. Like there was a reminder of we're all in this kind of together. And mm-hmm. it was a good time. It yeah. also, I mean, there's two things for me. One, I think it kind of sets the tone for what people will end up seeing is kind of the rest of the season. Like the episodes to come are super fun. They're really punk and just they're just fucking awesome. Like yeah. we kind of shock off all of the like the heavy drama of episode five. And for the rest of it, it is just fucking fun. 
And this episode is the canonization of Nightingale Triple X. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my God, it's full circle. Which is so weird. Like, I cannot believe that Nightingale has become the phenomenon that yeah. she is. And people don't realize that Nightingale Triple X made her debut in the opener of this episode yep. in the hair salon. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you be the judge of who you think it was. <laughs> Exploring her idea of beauty and glamour. Yes. <laughs> so I love the floor show. It was super fun. It was exactly oh, what yeah. we needed. It was just fun, campy, drag. Hoso's look was incredible, obviously. Yeah. I was gooped when I saw that in person. It was awesome. That's what I pictured when we came up with this challenge. I was like, that's what I wanted to see. I wanted yeah. to see that level of like hairy monster just goofery and fun and, <laughs> and the usage of the art away to become the bearded yes. intergalactic moth monster yeah. that she was it was like it was, and the color combo like it was just so fun everyone looked great it was a hard judgment because i think zava's look maybe wasn't as strong as some of the others but she the performance. came out and slayed the stage and once mm-hmm. again i gotta remind people it's not a look pageant. Mm-hmm. Zava killed it. She killed it. She was flipping all over the place and just, you know, it was a really impressive show. So she kind of saved her ass there. Yeah. And it might even seem like slightly sadistic when we're talking about like having Jade be put up for extermination on the same episode where she had like, you know, I say a loss in your family, like a non-human, Absolutely. A, a pet that's that close to you is like a non-human person. Like yeah. the love that they, in the space they occupy in your life and in your heart, I'd say is just as valuable as a person. That's my feelings. So, but to see that the Krampus is a cool inspiration, but I think the users of the hair, when I think about a monster, it just wasn't clicking and there was like, it was off. And to say, oh, maybe we could go easy. Wouldn't have been fair for other competitors that have been working very hard to maintain in the competition. I actually liked the look. I just didn't like it for this challenge. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I said, it was like a holiday of horrors kind of look. And if yeah. that was the challenge, I think she would have did great, but she needed a lot more hair. Where's the hairy fucking monster? Oh I see a hairy fucking monster. <laughs> Bonnie Aaron's in her grand return. And Land, Landon on the, the guest yes. show yes. was amazing. It was great to see Fun to have him that. back in the house. Yeah. yeah, looking iconic. I do want to return to Jade, though, because I think that Jade had a ton of success on the show. I loved having Jade on Dragula. She sort of reintroduced herself to the world and let everybody know, like, what kind of reminded everyone what an amazing artist they are. Yeah. And there was a ton of personal growth and what she needed was to be as present as she was on five and six, like the whole time. Yeah. You know, but this was Jade's personal experience and her journey. Yeah. I think that's what wrapped it up for her. I, I think Jade is a fantastic artist. I'm so glad that she's now part of our Belay Brothers Dragula family. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is the end for her. You mm-hmm. know, she's so professional She loves the experience. She speaks positively about her fellow competitors and the show. And she goes out there and spreads the word of the show. And I love her. I think Jade is fantastic. And, you know, we didn't give her a lot of feedback, but her drag didn't need a lot of feedback from us. Her drag is really good. I felt like she could never crack through her professionalism, if that makes sense. I wanted to see a little more raw from her, wild from her. Yeah, I wanted to see her just like, fucking go crazy. Yeah. Well, and I think that that is also represented on the show. Like, I think, you know, she has that conversation with Mary in episode four where it's like, you know, just like, who gives a fuck if someone gets upset? Like, just let it out. And I think that Jade was very concerned with how people would treat her or how they would respond to her, you know, being on our cast. And I think it kind of, it got to her, but by the end of it, and now I think Jade is fully formed. Like, it's like Jade 3.0 or whatever you want to call it. Like, this is, she's on 10 and she, and she makes, 
really smart choices, I think. Like, even if you look back at, like, uh, what was it? The Weird Wild West. You know, the color palette that she chose kind of stood out from everyone. Yeah. But when you look at those comics, that was the color palette. You know, she she thinks. She's in her head a lot. And mm-hmm. she's a star. Well... I think maybe that's a good place to end it, right? We've talked about six episodes and I think maybe we'll do this again closer to the finale or after the finale and kind of recap everything because obviously we know a lot of stuff about the show. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, maybe. A lot of stuff to talk about. <laughs> I do want to end it on once again thanking every single one of the competitors that have, especially the ones that have went home at this point. They're great. You know, honestly, the, I couldn't say a bad thing about any of them. I think they're all fantastic and I think the journey forward for the ones that are still on is really engaging and incredible. And I just can't wait to see how it unfolds. Well, that's it for our recap of the first six episodes of the Boulay Brothers Dragula. We want to remind you all that new episodes are coming out every Tuesday on Shudder in all English speaking territories worldwide. And as far as Creatures of the Night, we'll be resuming our regular schedule now with new episodes coming out every other Tuesday. So remember to email us your listener questions to creatures at BelayBrothersDragula.com. And thank you for listening. Until next time, uglies. The Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night is a Dread Central production. Hosted by the Boulay Brothers with their co-host and producer, Ian DeVogler. Engineered and mixed by Carlos Bueno with music by Neuron Spectre. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.